welcome to Conspiracy Theories Football. I am your host, Josh McDaniel, and this episode will be on Super Bowl 37, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers routed the Raiders 48-21. to Despite the score being so high, it was the defense that made the day in this Super Bowl. In fact, the MVP was defensive safety Dexter Jackson for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Oakland Raiders had five turnovers in this game, all of them Rich Gannon interceptions. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive players claimed that they knew the plays that were being called, and that's the reason why they were able to jump the routes on the Raiders' receivers. Receivers Tim Brown and Jerry Rice and running back Charlie Garner later went on to question as to whether their coach was on the up-and-up in that game. They felt that maybe their coach decided to give the game to his mentor, John Gruden. Later on, Dwight Smith himself come out and said that he felt the game was rigged because they knew every play that was being called, and according to him, it was funny that they didn't call the last year's playbook the rest of the year, but only when they played John Gruden did they play the playbook from the previous administration. We want to welcome back to our podcast again for the third time, Chad Owens, our resident Raiders fan. And once again, he gets to relive another wonderful experience of being a Raiders fan in Super Bowl 37. So Chad, what do you remember about Super Bowl 37 and... What did you hear after the game as to what happened in that Super Bowl? Um, yeah, but basically whatever Tim Brown and Jerry Rice said is what I've heard. And, you know, they said it was really weird. You know, they, they have one playbook for the whole season. The night before the Super Bowl, Coach Callahan is like, we're going to go back to what we used to run. They're like, well, that's weird. You know, we've been doing this all season and this worked. Why don't we go back to what we used to run? And so that, and that's why they think that it was real. It's because, and, and then you hear the defensive players for the Bucks say, "Well, we knew everything they were, they were calling as they played it, and so it, or as they called it, so it was. We knew what was coming. So it, it it was really weird." Years later, after Tim Brown, Jerry Rice, and Charlie Garner come out and said that they thought something was weird. Check this out. Dwight Smith of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who actually got two interceptions in that game, came out and just threw it out there that he felt that that game in every Super Bowl may be fixed. His proof to that was his very own Super Bowl. And he brought out the fact that the Raiders did not run that playbook all year, but found it funny that they decided to use the last coach's play calls when they played them. And he admitted that they knew the plays that were being called, and that's the reason why he got his two interceptions. Now, that Raiders team was amazing that year. Uh, Rich Gannon was an MVP quarterback. I mean, he was absolutely wonderful that year. Yeah. He he did great things I that think year. That year, he broke the record for uh, most 300-yard uh, passing games in the season. 
It was it was a wonderful team to watch all year long. And Tampa Bay, they did. They had the best defense in the NFL at that time. All at least that's what the statistics and the numbers said. It's funny, Dwight Smith brought out the fact that Tampa Bay's four three defense was great against the pass. And two games in that season they played the Saints and got torched by Deuce. Ran all over them. That was the point that Dwight Smith was bringing out. If they had to come out running the ball heavy, that they probably would have won that game. That's what Tim Brown said in the interview where he was talking about he thought it was fixed. Is up until the night before, that was the plan, was to run the ball. But then the, the night before when they changed the game plan, it was to pass the ball. And everybody thought that was weird. Because they were thinking about the same thing Dwight Smith was talking about. The Bucks were not as strong against the run, and so that's what we'll do. We've got Charlie Garner. They had Tyrone Wheatley. He was really good. There was no reason to pass the ball the whole game. Exactly. Yeah. And that if the Raiders had run that the ball that year, they would have won that Super Bowl. Once again, like we were talking before, Tampa Bay defenders that did not say that the game was rigged or fixed did say that they knew every play call. And so that kind of gives you something because, I mean, even if, say, the Raiders ran those play calls all year long, don't you think they would have changed them when they played against the coach that they had the year before that knew the play calls? You would think so. Exactly. (laughs) So it is very suspicious that it went down that way. But Dwight Smith coming out and saying, as the winning team, that the game was fixed in their favor kind of speaks volumes about that particular game. Now, uh, in those interviews with Tim Brown and Jerry Rice, their reasoning for it was because they thought that that it wasn't uh, the NFL, it was Bill Callahan returning the favor to Gruden for giving him a chance to be a coach in the NFL. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. Callahan didn't even want to be there. Yeah, yeah. Callahan didn't did even want to be uh, be a coach for the Raiders, but he took the job because it was an opportunity that that Gruden had uh, given him. How would how do you exactly feel about that? If it was any type of conspiracy, I think it was Callahan returning the favor to Gruden because it, that 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 seems to be uh, make more sense to me. Uh, you know, and then you have other instances where you know it, it makes you wonder because, like with the. Uh, the Patriots and Seahawks. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Why don't you just give the ball to Marshawn Marshall, Marshall Lynch? Why would you throw the ball in this situation? And you got the Super Bowl with the Patriots where they came back from like 20-something points behind. <laughs> you know, and it's like uh, all the Falcons had to do was run the ball and the game is over. But they kept passing for some reason. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I watched. They were up 28-20. to 20. And I watched the play that went down. You've got to watch that. If you're out there and you want to see this, this is the stupidest thing. Okay, if you pass the ball, I can sort of understand it in that situation, but you're not going to be running out patterns to the out of bounds. And if you watch that, when they were up 28-20 in their drive, they were throwing out passes five yards down the field, took off, very little time off the clock. And, of course, a holding penalty takes them all the way back out of field goal range that would have made it 31-20. to 20. 
which would have made it a lot harder Patriots to come back for from. But same thing, in that game, it just seemed like Patriots in the first half had no idea what was going on, and then in the second half become a different team. And you watch the coaching of the Falcons. They act like it was, you know, they just decided to keep the same game plan going because it was working and they didn't want to stop it. It was a different game plan. I mean, they were running out of bounds. You would think that would be the first thing as a coach you would tell them, hey, stay in bounds the whole time. (laughs) Now, it's also interesting that uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons that year where they kept calling the passes in the Super Bowl. I don't don't think it it might have been the next year when the – the Chiefs won the Super Bowl against the 49ers. Shanahan was the coach of the 49ers. And he did the same thing as the head coach of the 49ers that let the Chiefs come back and beat the, and beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. They had the lead and kept passing even though they had the lead. <laughs> yeah, and I you know, and this is this is funny because as amateur conspiracy theorists, or at least I am, I think I'm getting, Chad, pretty close to to imagining that maybe there's some NFL conspiracies going here. But just as an amateur, someone who's just started looking into these things, uh, I've found a lot of interesting things that keep happening. Like, for instance, the tuck rule for the Oakland Raiders happened. I believe John Gruden was the coach of that team, wasn't he? Uh, which team? Uh, the tuck rule. Yeah, he, he was the coach for the Raiders that year, yeah. Okay. Now, this is two years later. The very next year, I think. Maybe it is. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Just shortly afterward, John Gruden gets a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like when you watch some of these things, there's been a lot of conspiracy theories I've seen this with, where somebody gets absolutely cheated in one game, and he goes to another team and wins a Super Bowl. This is one of my own personal conspiracy theories that I think sometimes they cheat a team and then they let certain players get a Super Bowl or get something back because of what they did. Another case in point to that is Jalen Ramsey. Now, there was a big thing when uh, Jalen Ramsey and the Jaguars were playing the New England Patriots, of course, in a championship game. Supposedly, this is a big supposedly because at one point it came onto the internet, then disappeared, and you can't really find anything about this. And supposedly there was an NBC article about it, or uh, it all disappeared. You you can't find it. I've I've actually met people that say they still have the NBC video where NBC kind of went in and investigated this, and it seemed to look shady, but it all disappeared. But Jalen Ramsey, he said that the coach actually told them that they weren't to win that game. And he came out publicly and said it. When he did that, supposedly Roger Goodell came out and said he was going to kick Jalen Ramsey out of the NFL for good. That report went out there, and obviously it didn't happen, but supposedly he changed his mind because it just made things even look worse. I find it funny that a little bit later... There's Jalen Ramsey playing for the Rams, and he gets his Super Bowl. I mean, this is many years later, so it's kind of a far-fetched conspiracy, but it does seem like a lot of times coaches that seem to get cheated out of a Super Bowl end up getting a Super Bowl. Maybe like Don Shula with the Baltimore Colts and then later goes to the Miami Dolphins and gets an undefeated team, a Super Bowl championship. 
And once again, we can't touch on all of these in, in one day. We'll go in-depth in each one of them a little bit later. But are there any other, when you think of Super Bowls, are there any Super Bowls that you think of that were were shady or in the in Raiders' past? Is there any other games that you thought might be a little on the uh, shady side? Oh, I can name tons of them for the Raiders. It's just, just normal games. Like I told you before, where back right after they changed the uh, reception rule, where you had to complete a uh, football act, is what they call it, after you caught the ball. The Raiders receiver caught the touchdown, got up, spiked the ball in celebration, and they said, well, you didn't keep the ball long enough, so it was an incomplete pass, no touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I think the spike might have been a football move. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you would have thought so. Yeah. You know, so, and, and, uh, and like I said, after that, uh, just I think it was a year, two years later, they they get Derek Carr. Then the next year, he's a Super Bowl uh, MVP candidate, or not Super Bowl, you know, season MVP candidate. It starts to change. You see, like, the attitude of the refs toward the Raiders changed a little bit. And, I, you know, after seeing all these horrible calls for years, all of a sudden the Raiders get the benefit of these calls that used to be not going their favor ever. I mean, that, that is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. And so here's another one I think of when it comes to conspiracy theories. And this is one for the future, folks. So, you know, this is me calling out what I think is a conspiracy. And if it happens, you heard it here first. The Oakland Los Angeles Raiders haven't won a Super Bowl in a very, very long time. In our lifetime, at least. They're in Las Vegas. So just think, if Vegas really has some sort of pull on the NFL, if they have some way of changing things, then I think in the next few years you're going to see this year a very much improved Raider football team. I think they might even win that division that no one thinks that they'll win. And I think shortly, you know, I'll say the next three years, they'll be in the Super Bowl at least. Because now they're in Vegas, and I think that's going to change things. Plus, like we talked about before, Al Davis is no longer with us. Yeah. And they, you know, by everyone's memory, it seems people think that Al Davis was disliked by the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think all Raiders fans go with that. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> definitely. Like I told you uh, earlier, I think if there is conspiracies... I think now they they have the coach out that they don't want there anymore, Gruden, you know, and they got uh, a guy who's been uh, touted as the the golden child coach now, Joshua Daniels. That they, if they have everything in place now to for the team that they can promote safely, safely <laughs> as a good team. They got Derek Carr, the the, the good uh, role model. They got J- uh, Josh McDaniels, the golden child coach. So now, and so and then they got Vegas hosting the Super Bowl in two years. Everything just seems to be lining up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. If the NFL has this thing scripted, or if yeah. there's, we we think that Vegas is going to be in that. Very likely, I think they might be in the Super Bowl. In Las Vegas. That would be an NFL kind of thing. Now, an interesting fact that you can look up is the fact that the NFL legally is for entertainment purposes. It it is said that Goodell has even brought out the point that Mm -hmm. 
the NFL is for entertainment purposes and that if they yeah. think that something is going to make it more exciting, they're going to work toward that point mm-hmm. and not coming out and saying that maybe they fix games. He's just kind of alluding to the fact that they'll do whatever it takes for it to be exciting. But the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is it's still that he still makes it sound <laughs> suspicious. Yep. This year we've got some great stuff going on. We're looking into these and, there's so much money being bet on these games. And I got to say, one of the reasons why I started with my idea that sports are rigged and fixed is because one time an announcer actually come out and said the fact that New England would lose to Buffalo back when Buffalo was so bad. But New England would lose to Buffalo because 85% of the money was going to New England. And that game, it actually happened that Buffalo beat New England. You know, this particular announcer wouldn't tell you the NFL was rigged, but why would he say when 85% of the money is going one way that it usually goes the other way? I started after that looking into those games and the 80%, and there's been quite a few times I've looked at it, and sure enough, an 85% game turns into that. Last year, uh, 2021... Uh, the it was the Titans and Jets. And as a Titans fan, of course, I would see that one. So understand this is a Titans fan talking, but that game was the worst play calling ever. And while the Titans beat really good teams that year, including the Rams, they lost to the Jets. And if you watch that game, it was the worst-looking game you've ever seen in your life. Terrible calling from the coaches. You know, if there was something going on, I believe the coaches had something to do with it. But at the time, the Titans were at full strength, whereas they won a lot of games later on in the season without their best star running back, Derrick Henry. But they couldn't beat the Jets with Derrick Henry. And so I find that to be highly suspicious. We're going to end the podcast there. We meant to stay mostly with the Bucks and Raiders Super Bowl of Super Bowl 37, but there's so much out there and so much said that, you know, you can look it up and find Dwight Smith's comments and Tim Brown and Jerry Rice. It's all out there. It's very easy to get a hold of that information. Basically, it's so upfront. You can't really make a super long episode about it because it's all right there. It's like Dwight Smith. I mean, you could almost end the episode saying, Dwight Smith says it's rigged. He was on the other side. Said that they knew every play call, and it was funny that they didn't call those calls the rest of the year, those plays the rest of the year. But it's funny when they played that coach that they used those plays. And he himself said that the NFL, he felt, was fixed by Vegas. So... It's kind of a open and shut case on that one. So let me ask you, Chad, on these three episodes, are you more inclined to believe that maybe the NFL might be a little dirty, or are you still at the same place you were where it's more the officials might just be taking favoritism? I think I'm still pretty much where I was at. It's like, I, I definitely think that the NFL shows favoritism to certain teams. And definitely shows disfavoritism towards teams that have sued it before. <laughs> like I, I have a friend who's a Cowboys fan, 
And cause we talked about that before earlier, about how you thought the, the Cowboys got a generous call. And this week, the refs try to make up for it against the Packers. My friend, because uh, remember when uh, Ezekiel Elliott got suspended and Jerry Jones sued the NFL? My friend is a Cowboys fan. He says ever since that, the Cowboys have been getting as bad of calls against them as the Raiders do. <laughs> so, you know, as, as long as you don't sue the NFL, you're fine. We certainly want to thank Chad for being with us again, helping us with this trilogy on the Raiders cheated. He gets to give his expert opinion on all the things that happened in Raiders history that may make people believe or think that the Raiders were somehow slighted by the NFL. Now, this puts an end to this trilogy. We're going to try to answer the question, were the Raiders cheated? I think Chad would agree, and as we've talked, I think you would understand as well that absolutely the Raiders were cheated. The tuck rule and Super Bowl Thirty Seven were absolutely times that the Raiders got cheated. Now, who was involved, why these things happened, we can't say for 100% certainty. We can't say that the NFL was necessarily behind it. But at the end of the day, I think everyone can understand that in those times, the Raiders were most definitely slighted by play calls and coaching. As we talked to Chad, it was funny at the end, he started kind of coming along and even mentioning things that he felt might be conspiracies himself, but still feels that in the end that maybe uh, Coach Callahan in Super Bowl Thirty Seven just threw that Super Bowl on his own volition. But I do find it funny in Super Bowl Thirty-Seven. To me, if Coach Callahan had decided that he wanted to give that game to Gruden, he wouldn't have changed the playbook. He would have just decided from the start to use the playbook that Gruden would know. But instead, it seems like he got a call or some kind of communication 36 hours before the Super Bowl, according to reports from Tim Brown, Charlie Garner, Jerry Rice, all of a sudden he changes the play call of 36 hours to go. So to me, I don't imagine that Callahan did this on his own volition, that something caused him to make that change to his playbook and make that to where the Super Bowl or John Gruden could easily tell what plays were going to be called. But that's just me, and that's just my thinking on that. Now, these three episodes were just a setup. These three episodes I thought would be a great time having Chad on and someone who knew the Raiders, and these where we're going to explain what is a conspiracy. Why would games be manipulated? Who are involved? Because many people ask me when I tell them my theories on things and my opinions about football, they're always like, well, who do you think is in on this? Do you think the players know? Well, next week I'll explain who I think are involved. And then the third is, how can they do it and get away with it? And so that will be our next week's episode. Now, as we do every time at the end, unfortunately, Chad isn't going to be with me to make uh, the last prediction. We did the first three episodes together and decided to split them up. So today I'm by myself going to make my predictions. But in case you haven't noticed or listened to my podcast, I am now 2-0. My Cleveland Browns won their game against Carolina despite being the underdog. 
And my Seattle Seahawks, despite being heavy underdogs to Denver, won that game. And those were my unbelievable predictions. Now, the interesting thing in week one I wanted to bring out is I'd mentioned that many bettors believe that 80% of the bets being bet one direction and 80% of the money going to one team usually means the other team is going to win. And a lot of times you can watch the sharp betting and understand that many of the professional bettors see that and they'll bet the other way. So according to the app that I was using, the teams that were 80% the favorite were the Tennessee Titans, the Carolina Panthers, the San Francisco 49ers, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Baltimore Ravens. And, of course, the very first game was Buffalo and the Rams, and Buffalo was the 80% favorite. Out of those eight teams... Two of the 80% teams won. The one being Baltimore and the second being Buffalo. Buffalo beat the Rams. The Giants beat the Titans. Now, I believe that the fact that Buffalo won their 80% game was just a setup for the next week. So I'm going to make another unbelievable prediction. And if this happens, you yourself are going to have to scratch your head and think, This guy might be on to something. So this crazy prediction is going to be that the Tennessee Titans will cover the 10-point spread against the Buffalo Bills. In fact, I'm going to go even further and say that the Tennessee Titans will upset the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. If you watched week one, then you would be like me and understand that If something weird wasn't going on here, Buffalo should beat the Tennessee Titans by 30 points. Because Buffalo beat the LA Rams last year's Super Bowl team, and the Titans just lost to the New York Giants, which I think at best will be a subpar team this year. So it would be quite a prediction for the Tennessee Titans to beat the Buffalo Bills. But yet, that is what I'm going with this week. Other games, just of note, when it comes to the 80% rule, Cincinnati Bengals are an 80% favorite over the Dallas Cowboys. The Cleveland Browns are the 80% favorite over the New York Jets. So those are just to look at and notice as the week goes through and see if anything happens in those games. Not making a predictions on those because I'm not really sure on those. But uh, another one of note that I think is going to be interesting is Minnesota-Philadelphia game. I think uh, Philadelphia will pull the upset on that. So that'll be my second pick. I'm actually going to go with Philadelphia over the Minnesota Vikings, actually, is who they're playing. But it seems to be that they're near. the Minnesota Vikings are nearly getting 80% of the bet. So... I like Philadelphia in that game as well. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast as much as we loved putting it out there. And please tune in next week. Next week is going to be great. Next week's the episode I've been working up toward, the fourth episode after these having to do with the Raiders, just because this is going to be the key. 
in many encrypted files and things, there's such a thing as a key where in order to understand the things that are written, you need a key to understand how the thing is being written and organization of the letters, words, or numbers and how those things make whatever that document is make sense. So the title to the next uh, episode will be The Key to Conspiracies because I'm going to try to give you what I think is the key to seeing conspiracies before they happen, before the game is over and before you look back and are like, oh, that call was fishy. But if you can look at it and see it before it happens, it could end up being very profitable. So please tune in next week and you can hear my ideas on what I think causes a conspiracy, why they happen, and who are involved. So enjoy your week. And stay tuned, because it's going to get better.